Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I'm Tom Ackerman. Welcome to the show. Let's start with the wonderful news before we get to Cardinals manager Mike Schilt from Hall of Fame writer Rick Hummel, who wrote in the Post-Dispatch today the top fold, above-the-fold picture in the sports section is of Bob Gibson, the greatest Cardinals pitcher of all time, and he writes that the Cardinals' great is now pain-free and says he would have been at this year's home opener. Wonderful story about Gibson, who is fighting cancer, and cancer messed with the wrong guy, didn't it? He is absolutely phenomenal. He's been receiving chemo, but has not been receiving treatment as often because he is pain-free. He is doing better. He is responding well. He's not feeling as sick. He's actually playing the piano and learning a couple of things on the side. And it's really a neat story where you hear some of the quick wit of Gibson. With a tribute to Bob Gibson right now, I thought it would be appropriate to play some of his greatest highlights here on KMOX. Kurt, take a look at the Cardinal dugout. All the players up on the top step. Clapping their hands, yelling encouragement out to Gibson. Two balls and two strikes to Pepitone. Tommy Tresh is on deck. Here's the delivery. There's a ball hit off Gibson's glove. He runs over, picks it up, throws out at first base. Out at first. The Yankees are arguing. Gibson is hit on the back or on the hip. And the Yankees are really arguing with Al Smith of the American League on that one. Yogi Berra and the Cardinals are concerned about Gibson as Pepitone hit a wicked smash to the mound. It caromed off Bob Gibson's right hip or the small of his back. Rolled all the way to the third base foul line. Gibson made one of the greatest fielding plays I've ever seen a pitcher make. He ran over there picked that ball up and while falling backwards flipped the ball to first base and got Pepitone by an eyelash. Gibson has tied the record of Sandy Kopak. 15 strikeouts in a single World Series game. Trying for number 16 right now against Cash to break the record. He takes his set position. He delivers. Here's a pitch. Swing and a miss. He did it.
great ovation for Gibson, setting the new World Series mark, 16 strikeouts in a game. Two down in the ninth inning, Horton the batter. Cardinals lead 4-0. The Tigers have Stanley at first. And two down in the ninth inning. Horton waiting. Here it comes. It's a strike. That's number 17. The game's over. The Cardinals win. Bob, you struck out 17, setting a new World Series record. It's fantastic. I mean... The fans just stood and cheered you, and that must be your most thrilling moment in sports. You've had many. Well, I, I guess so. I didn't know what they were cheering about, and uh, Tim came out in front of the plate, and I just turned around and looked at the scoreboard. I, uh, I had no idea. Bob Gibson, congratulations once again. Thank you so much. It's a masterful performance once again. Thank you very much. Two men out, nobody on. Bottom of the ninth, 11 to nothing Cardinals. One and one on Stargell. The pitch on the way, and a swing and a miss. Strike two, a good low breaking ball. And Gibson is one strike away from the no-hitter. He takes off his cap. He mops his brow. He looks in and gets the sign. He starts to wind up. Here's the pitch, and it's a strike called. A no-hitter for Gibson. Simmons roars to the mound. Embraces Gibson, who's engulfed by his teammates as the Cardinals win the game 11 to nothing. 25 players pound Bob Gibson for a tremendous effort here tonight. A call third strike to Willie Stargell ended it. And Gibson, who has done everything else in the book except the no-hitter, got it here tonight. I'm Tom Ackerman. We are live at 10:15. It is great to be with you on KMOX Radio. And joining us on the line is the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, the 2019 National League Manager of the Year, Mike Schilt. Mike, how are you this morning? Doing great, Tom. How about yourself, sir? Doing great. Always good to hear your voice. How are things uh, in your area? Now, you you've remained in Florida, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. We're down in uh, Florida and. You know, we're doing as well as to be expected. We're uh, enjoying our quality time together and, um, you know, just doing the best we can and enjoying each other's company. That's good to hear. He's uh, with his wife, Michelle, and uh, they're great uh, girls. And uh, it's just uh, always great to hear from you and, and hear your voice and talk some ball again. I talked to you yesterday. We're just going to have a nice laid-back hour of ball talk, and we can definitely welcome people to join in. If you want to tweet at us, you can tweet at KMOX Sports or at my Twitter handle, which is Ackerman1120. Uh, if you'd like to ask a question to Mike Schilt, happy to do it. Uh, but uh, first off, I'm not sure if you saw this or not, So because I haven't talked to you this morning. But uh, the front page of the Post-Dispatch, our good friend, the Hall of Fame writer Rick Hummel, writing that Bob Gibson is pain-free right now as he continues to battle cancer. He says that he felt so good that he would have been at the home opener last week uh, had there been one. And he's actually feeling good in that. Again, no pain. He doesn't have the stomach aches and back aches that he had, but he is receiving chemo treatment. But the 84-year-old is also playing piano. He's uh, learning online how to do that. He's spending some time and can't wait to catch up with some baseball. Uh, he watches a lot of TV. It's the, some of the lines in the story are just classic Gibson, the quick wit and, uh, and fun uh, competitive attitude. It's just great to hear that Bob Gibson is doing well, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it's really uplifting. Um, saw this, saw the article, um, and just excited for Bob and the fact that he's pain-free and healthy and not a surprise. As great a competitor as we know he is, that he's been able to 
to take this on as well as he had and to come out what looks to be on a on a good side of it and we keep him in our prayers. What's when you think of Bob Gibson the pitcher, what do you think of? What when did you first take notice of the great Bob Gibson? Well, you know, you grow up and you're aware of Bob Gibson as just a a person who enjoys and appreciates the game of baseball, legendary, um, iconic player in our game. And, and then you get a chance to, to meet him and, and talk to him. And and really, there's no particular story that stands out. There's many of them. I've had some really positive conversations with him and just be able to hear how he thought about things, how he approached things, where his um, competitive spirit, where his emotional, how high his emotional IQ was during competition. Um, and just the, the, fierceness that in which he competed but also um clearly a great athlete you know as a Harlem Globetrotter for a period of time but but also really when you talk to him you realize just how smart how well he saw the game um it was just an impressive man I had one of my first assignments as a young man was to go find Bob Gibson and interview him there was a uh, screening of an HBO documentary about baseball in the 60s and they said Gibson's going to be there Camelax sent me with a microphone and said can you find him and interview him so, I mean, I'm like 23, 24 years old, right? So I go into this crowd and I go right up to Mr. Gibson and asked him for an interview. And he said, sure, I'll do that with you. And he walks over with me and we sit down at this table. And I said, Mr. Gibson, when you look back at this documentary and you think about all of those times, were there ever uh, any times where you felt intimidated or uh, I forget how I worded it, but something along those lines, he stared a a hole through me and he goes, no, (laughs) that was like the first answer. And then he, then he smiled and loosened up. He's like, I'm just playing with you. He's like, you know, I'll tell you what he's like, Hank Aaron was always tough. You know, Hank Aaron was one of those. And I've heard him tell the story, Mike, where somebody did ask him, Hank Aaron, uh, who was the toughest hitter you ever faced? And he said, Hank Aaron, he goes, I, I, I swear every time there was a big moment, Hank Aaron was up. I thought he was cheating, that he came up eight or nine times in a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a great story. Um, you know, what a gracious man, similar deal. You know, you talk to him, and like like all Cardinals coming back, but even including the the Cardinals of, of um, you know, the Mutual and Red and Lou and Mr. Gibson. And, you know, you talk to them, and they're so gracious with their time and so sincere about wanting to help the – the next generation of Cardinals and just fine gentlemen, obviously tremendous players. Yeah, so much fun. Uh, you think about uh, those great names, and we talked about that at the home opener, what would have been with all those players, but we know that when we do have that first baseball game, it is going to be incredible. Uh, Mike Schilt, uh, think about this. The great pitchers that you ever witnessed, we talked about Gibson. You know, I thought about who you watched growing up, who were some of the best pitchers that you remember from your time growing up in North Carolina? Uh, wow. That's a, that's a tough one. You know, I grew up, um, in the double A clubhouse with the Orioles. So I was a little more tuned into that organization. Um, and they were pretty pitching heavy. Palmer was, um, right towards the middle to the working towards the end of his greatness. Um, always appreciated, because um, he had just a different repertoire. He would have been, you know, um, the modern-day game would have really appreciated Jim Palmer. Regardless, really, the era of baseball would have appreciated Jim Palmer. But, you know, he, he had that riding fastball up, um, which I'm pretty sure it had a high spin rate. <laughs> and then he had a great, you know, big 12-6 curveball that I'm pretty sure also had a 
great spin rate. Um, all, all I knew was it, it, it just had a lot of life to it, had a really good um, depth to his breaking ball. Um, always appreciated watching Mad Dog's brother pitch, Greg Maddox, just the, the art of pitching, uh, understanding of pitching, um, and the competitiveness that he did, demonstrated. So those are a couple of the guys growing up that, that initially stick out to me. 1966, Game 2 of the World Series at Dodger Stadium. Jim Palmer won a complete game World Series shutout, Game 2 of the World Series, against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. He was 20 years old. He became the youngest pitcher to do that. And on the other side, they swept, by the way, the Dodgers. On the other side was Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale. Wow. I mean, that is big time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, those are legendary names, and... and uh... Yeah, that was uh, that, that quite a talent, quite a talent. Those Orioles teams, and you got to know Cal Ripken Jr. quite well. Tell us uh, your favorite things about Cal. Oh, gosh. Um, at 12 years old, he was 19 in AA in Charlotte, 1980, a team that won the Southern League Championship. Cal actually played third um, every day. Didn't really get to break into shortstop until he got the big leagues and Earl moved him to short. Uh, he wore number 12, didn't have number 8 yet. Um, but the biggest thing that stood out to me was Cal was the first one to come in every day. And it wasn't the fact that he was just early. I mean, that was impressive, but every day he was the first guy in the clubhouse. But it was how he went about being there. He wasn't just there to be there. He was there with a sense of purpose. Um, so it really resonated to me because he'd come in, he would um, say hello, of course, um, and we'd talk a little bit, not long, but just you know, and that was a highlight. And I kind of got in the rhythm when Cal was going to come in. I always made sure I was in the clubhouse, and so, and then he would get you know get dressed and he'd check in on a few people and get loose and he'd go out and he'd really get after his ground ball routine. Um, and about once every you know couple weeks or so, he'd let me come in and ask me to get some ground balls with him, which was cool. But almost virtually every day. He came in and, and got his work, and I always just appreciated that he worked with that sense of purpose. Um, he wasn't just doing it. He was, I mean, he had a real clarity of what he was doing, how he was doing it, why he was doing it. It was, there was a lot of specificity. Same thing with his early work with his batting practice. Um, and I just, just, just stuck out to me. Just, and then he played every day of that season as well. Played every day. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but played a lot. Played every day the following year in Rochester. Um, and, and, you know, the summers in Charlotte were to be brutally hot and didn't matter. He'd, he'd show up, he'd play, he'd get his early work in. And um, so there's no surprise um, that he was able to be so consistent and, and um, dedicated to his career during his career. Wow. That, that's, uh, in 1980, was with Charlotte, where Mike Schilt was, the Charlotte O's. And in 81, Rochester's the AAA team. Uh, and uh, how about this 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 longest professional baseball game at Rochester? Thirty three innings. Yep. That's just incredible. I mean, thirty three innings. Wade Boggs was in that game. So the Orioles in eighty one, uh, he makes his way up, and the World Championship year in nineteen eighty three, where he was the AL MVP. Tell us how special that was for the Orioles franchise to get things back together. Yeah, you know, the Orioles, um, when they left and the Browns went to Baltimore, they were the winningest organization from 54 to 79 mm-hmm. in, during that 25-year period in all of baseball. Um, 
And so I was really blessed to be able to bring in an area and a group that was, um, and look, don't me, let me misrepresent this. Nothing's like the Cardinal organization, right. you know, the history and the tradition, but it was, it was when I got to the Cardinal organization, it reminded me of that. Um, but to, to the next several degrees. And, and what I'm getting at is the continuity of the instruction, the people, there were people there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that organization, Cal senior had been there for 30, 40 years, you know, the managers, the instructors, the big league staff, of course, Earl Weaver had been there for a long period of time. I read a nice article about him this morning, um, by Tim Kirchin. Um, and so, you know, 83 comes and I actually went up there, my aunt had passed away, my aunt Becky, and and because we had the relationship, I went over to the clubhouse. Game one of the uh, championship series, there's no division series back then. The champion series, championship series against, ironically enough, uh, the White Sox, who was managed by Tony. Um, so I go in the clubhouse. John Shelby, center fielder, you know, still a family friend, um, brings me to the clubhouse. I catch up with some of the guys and. One guy I didn't catch up with, which was cool, was was Cal Ripken and Cal. And so I'm leaving to go to the clubhouse, and Cal was doing an interview. And I go by some clubhouse back in the Memorial Stadium was really pretty tiny, um, kind of like the visiting clubhouse in Wrigley. And and so I'm leaving, and Cal sticks his hand out and puts his hand on my chest, and um, you know, went motions for me to you know stop for a second. Just done with his radio interview. He says, Mike, how you been? I said, pretty pretty good. You know, how, how you been? Like, stupid question. Um, and uh, he said, let me introduce you to my, uh, our radio guy. It was John Miller. Um, uh-huh. was doing radio at the time. And he was, hey, little fella, how you doing? And I was like, good, how you doing? You know? <laughs> and um, so me and Kyle just catch up. And you know, I hadn't seen him in, in four years. And he was just really gracious of him. And the next time I saw him was in the year 2000, the 20 year reunion of that championship club. And he walked right in 17 years later, came right up to me and said, Mike, how you been? I'm like, who is this guy? You know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, a lot of good stories with Cal. Isn't that so cool? These guys that, uh, like a Cal Ripken who take the time. So I did a show with him recently at the Ritz here in St. Louis. We did a mm-hmm. men's group against cancer dinner. I actually texted you and told you that we were going to do that together. And, um, he was so good. I mean, he got up and spoke to the crowd and talked about life and really gave everything he had. I mean, he was, you know, his forehead was sweating by the time he was done because he talked with such passion to the crowd about life and about his baseball career. And I helped him with some questions from the crowd. And when it was over, I went up to him. And I said, excuse me, Cal, but before you go, would it be okay to take a picture with you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do it. Here, uh, have the, have this guy uh, take the picture. So he takes the picture and Cal goes, Let's take a look. He goes, ah, that's not good enough. You know what? He goes, come back here with me. And we went back to this private room in the back of the Ritz so that the picture would look great. You know, that was just him. He wanted this picture to look good, and and it was just a special thing for me. Um, Tony La Russa has been a very special person in my life, and I know in yours. When we come back, I want to talk about the Hall of Fame Cardinals manager with Mike Schilt. The Cardinals skipper is with us. It's 1029. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.